I read a quote about prayer earlier this week that really caught my attention. And this is what the author says. The problem is not that God is distant and needs to be wooed or badgered into coming near. The problem is that God is ever-present, ever-near, and that some of us seek ways of escape. For God does not need to be invoked. We do. We need to be called to our senses to be as present to God as God is present to us. I found those words about prayer to be very helpful. In prayer, it's not God that needs to be invoked. It's us. God is nearer to us than we can possibly imagine But as was prayed earlier by Keith, we have these distractions, we have barriers of distraction that really uh, causes us to not pay attention to God's presence as much as we should. But we also can do some things to help us identify and get a a greater sense of God's presence. Uh, We can find those times of stillness. We can set that time apart. Uh, We can ask God to help us, uh, to help us be more aware of His presence But also, it's helpful to have people who have done this before. Uh, People who can show us the way, who can show us how to be more prayerful, how to walk alongside us. We need a mentor in this. We need a teacher. And that really is the thrust of this sermon, the need for a teacher, a mentor. Uh, We've worked through this series called Can't Live Without Them, Can't Live Without Them. And in this series, we've looked at relationships in the church. And that's what this series is all about. It's about the church, the family of God, people who have been brought together in Christ, uh, people who carry the Spirit, uh, the church that was in God's plan before the creation of the world. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1. The church is this new community, this new humanity empowered by the Spirit. And the church at its best is a foretaste, it is a foreshadowing of that which is to come. And it's in the church where we become better versions of ourselves. And we do this through God working through relationships. So we have these different relationships that we've talked about in this series. People whom God has put into our lives that have helped shape us and spur us and help us be the people God has called us to be. And this morning, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. Who is your Paul? Well, we've, we spent some time over the last few weeks with Paul. Last week, we talked about his missionary partner, Barnabas the Encourager. Uh, the one who was always willing to give someone a second chance. A few weeks ago, uh, Stan took us through the relationship between Paul and Timothy, really looking at it through the lens of Paul. Uh, We all need a protege. We all need someone who's coming up behind us that we can pour our wisdom into and our, our skills and our knowledge. But this morning, we're going to look at Paul and Timothy from the other direction. We all need a mentor. We all need a teacher. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, we're going to be in the first 13 verses of chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. Have you read 2 Timothy lately? It doesn't take long to read. 
but it is a beautiful letter. These are Paul's last words. These are the last recorded words we have of the Apostle Paul. This is also his most personal letter. Uh, Paul knows that the end is nigh. Uh, He knows that he is about to face his execution. And so he really lets Timothy into his thinking about life and death and matters pertaining to faith. Uh, But it's also in this letter where we we really get a glimpse of Paul's mentorship of young Timothy. So let's hear the words of Scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy... My beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through his appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now may God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. I must admit I get a little nervous when I go to a restaurant and I see not just one waiter or waitress, but two come to the table. And one is there who is taking the order. And the other one is looking over the shoulder, gently giving instructions, maybe even doing a few corrections. Of course, we know what's going on. Someone is getting trained. And hopefully we get into a different mindset whenever we experience this. Maybe we exercise a little more patience, like following someone in a car and you see a bumper sticker that says, have patience, student, driver. 
Some of you are experiencing that right now. I must admit, though, that my heart rate goes up when I go to the dentist's office and there is a trainee getting trained. The supervisor is there, but they're working on my mouth. I don't want to be the one who helps someone get, get trained when it comes to my mouth. But at least the supervisor is there. We've all been there, though. I want you to think back, and some of you have to think way back. What was your first job? Maybe some of you recently started a new job. What was that like, even with all of your experience? What was that like to begin a new job? There is a transition period there. There is some training that needs to be done. You need to learn the culture and the practices and the expectations of the company. Nobody arrives at a job, no matter how much experience they have, ready-made. We all need the space to learn and grow. But I would argue that this is not just for our first job or a new job. This is a posture of learning that we should have, that's worthy to have throughout our whole lives. I don't know how seasoned young Timothy was at the point when he receives this letter from Paul, Paul's last words. As Stan mentioned a few weeks ago from Acts 16, Paul and Silas, after the split between Paul and Barnabas, uh, they go into Asia Minor in what's called Paul's second missionary journey. And in the town of Lystra, they pick up young Timothy. And basically, they give Timothy some on-the-job training. And it was a difficult task, that second missionary journey. Uh, That's where Paul receives the Macedonian call. And they go into uncharted territory. They go right into the heart of Greece. And it was tough sledding. But Timothy was there with Paul. Paul showing him the ropes. I can imagine what that must have been like to travel with Paul. Those long conversations on those roads between towns. And then those nights in the tents. All the things that Timothy was picking up from Paul. In fact, when they made their way to Athens, Paul sends Timothy by himself to go back up to Thessalonica and to check in on that church that they started, the the city where they were driven out as a team. And Paul gave Timothy the assignment to establish and to exhort the church in the faith. Paul turns Timothy loose, and Timothy does well. In fact, Timothy becomes a very valuable uh, asset, a, a very valuable missionary partner to Paul. So much so that Paul has this to say in, in Philippians chapter 2, one of Paul's other later letters. Just listen to these words, Philippians 2, verse 19 through 24. This is what Paul says. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Timothy had become a great minister. But Timothy was far from a finished product, and we see this in 2 Timothy. And we have to read a little bit in between the lines, but not really. 
uh, just the amount of focus that Paul puts throughout this letter, we know what's going on. Timothy is experiencing a crisis of courage. Timothy is experiencing failure of nerve as he's stationed there in Ephesus amongst some fierce false teachers. Paul names names. Paul has to remind Timothy that God has given us a spirit, not of fear. Some translations say timidity. Some say cowardice. But of power, of love, and of self-control. And then we get to the heart of the problem. Verse 8. Do not be ashamed, Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner. Verse 12, I'm not ashamed, Timothy. I'm not ashamed, I know whom I have believed. And then verse 16, Paul gives an example outside of our sermon passage. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. I practiced that a hundred times. I even have it spelled out phonetically, doesn't matter. For he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains, Timothy. Why would Paul keep bringing up this word ashamed, except that Timothy was ashamed? Maybe his rivals there in Ephesus kept bringing this up about his teacher being in prison. Your mentor's in prison, Timothy. Are you sure you want to stand by him? Timothy, who had become a son to Paul and a greatly respected leader in the church, he still needs some training. He still needs some mentoring. He still needs a push. He still needs some work. He's not a finished product. So I've been using Leonard Sweet's book called 11 Indispensable Relationships You Can't Be Without as a conversation partner for this series. And some chapters have been more helpful than others. But I like the subtitle of this particular chapter, Who's Your Paul? The subtitle is, Who's Your Yoda? Who is your Yoda? The little green guy who trains Luke Skywalker. He also has a song about seagulls, if you have not heard that one. Who's your Yoda? Uh, Take your pick. You can go through film, you can go through literature of great mentors in the faith. Not in the faith, but great mentors on screen. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, Dumbledore, Mick and Rocky, Coach Boone, Mufasa. There's a long list of teachers, a long list of mentors, these wise sages who are pouring their wisdom into their apprentices. And of course, there are two players in this relationship. There's the mentor who's offering his or her services to help this person get trained. But then there's the protege. And often in movies, but certainly in life, a protege realizes that they need mentoring. They need teaching whenever they have a great fall, whenever they have failure. And they they realize that they don't know what they need for whatever they're trying to accomplish. They need some help. What a dangerous place to be in life. When we think that we have arrived. When we have nothing new to learn. 
when we no longer need any more training. There's a point when someone becomes a master of their craft, and maybe they do move into the role of supervisor or manager or teacher or wise sage, but that does not negate the lifelong need for learning something new. Even the most seasoned man or woman in this room needs some more training in the faith. So who's your teacher? Who is your Paul? Well, sadly, we don't have Timothy's response to this letter. It would be interesting to hear his perspective, but the fact that he is receiving such a letter, I think, really speaks to, to Timothy's posture when it comes to learning. Uh, Timothy appears to be very coachable. He has opened himself to, to Paul's continued training and even his continued correcting. And what a teacher Timothy had found in Paul. Uh, Paul, as we had already mentioned, had walked alongside Timothy. He, he took him along for some on-the-job training on that second missionary journey. Uh, Paul was very deliberate about molding Timothy in the faith, sending him out by himself at times, and then I imagine helping him process his successes and his failures, helping him learn from his mistakes. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-13, through 13, I want to highlight two characteristics of Paul as teacher, especially as we look around and we see our need for a mentor and a teacher in the faith. Number one, Paul spent time in prayer for his protege. Paul prays for his student. I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, Paul says. Paul wrestles in prayer for his student. Paul knows that his apprentice is struggling, especially since they're separated. But the first thing that Paul mentions, his top priority, is lifting Timothy up in prayer. Night and day. That is the best thing that a teacher can do for his student. That is really where the real battle is there in the invisible realm. I remember talking to one of our teachers here at BCS, and she had a particularly challenging set of kids set of students on this particular year but her response was to cover her children and these students in prayer so she made it a point to show up 30 minutes earlier than what she would usually do and while it was quiet she would walk around the room she would walk from desk to desk these empty desks and she would name names she would lift up every name of her student in prayer because that's where the battle is that's a great teacher timothy is blessed beyond measure to have paul as his mentor and his teacher and that really speaks to the second way that paul is a great teacher because paul really does practice what he preaches if he's calling Timothy to be bold, it is because Paul has some credibility in boldness. If he's telling Timothy to not be ashamed, it's because Paul is not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. If he's calling upon Timothy to join in the suffering, it comes from a place of Paul's own suffering. In other words, Paul makes a great teacher because he's been down the road. He has some skin in the game. He has some street cred when it comes to living out what he is teaching. He is authentic as a teacher. 
And Timothy has Paul as a mentor. Paul is his father in the faith. And I believe that Timothy realizes this. I wonder years down the road if Timothy had this scroll, had this letter, and these words, these last words of Paul had a lasting impact upon Timothy. We don't know what became of Timothy. We don't know what happened to him, but we do know that he had in his possession someone whom none of us can live without. We all need a mentor. Who is your teacher? Who is your Paul? No matter where you are in the journey, life is on the job training. There will always be new challenges. There will always be a need for new training and new teaching. And maybe this morning we have the opportunity and the space to take a hard look in the mirror and ask ourselves some questions. And maybe we need a Nathan to come and help us with this from the first sermon. Where do I need to improve? Where do I need to grow? Or to put it more positively, what do I need to learn? There's no way we can know everything. There's no way we can have arrived. What do we need to learn? Well, in order to do this, we need some help. So I want to challenge you this week in your prayer time to bring it before God, to inquire of the Lord, where do I need to grow and who can you send me to help me? And I am confident that when we bring this before the Lord, God is going to send you a Paul if we have the eyes to see someone to pray over us, someone to walk alongside us, someone to serve as God's instrument in this pruning process in training us in righteousness. If we maintain a posture of learning, we will surely find our Paul. And by the Holy Spirit, we will guard the good deposit which God has entrusted to us. Who is your Paul? We're going to sing a song of invitation now. and It's a song that speaks to courage. It's from this passage. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord. And maybe there is some, uh, some moments in your lives when... You have the opportunity to proclaim the goodness and the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ in word and deed, and you're having a hard time finding your courage, and you need the prayers, you need the prayers of this church. Uh, maybe you've come to one of those moments that Keith mentioned in his prayer, uh, where you're in the wilderness, and you need a greater sense of God's presence, and you need help from the church uh, to recognize that God is truly with us in all circumstances. Uh, if you would like to respond in other ways to the good news, uh, to be baptized, we can make that happen. Or to, if you've done so already, uh, place membership with us. We invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.